0: Welcome to Going Out Your Door, the podcast to get you out your door and on the road. My name is Marjorie Frymouth, and I am so glad you're here today because this is going to be yet another episode full of me geeking out about a place that I am so. Oh, I wish I was there. I've been really having more wanderlusty feelings lately in the past few weeks. Really wanting to get out on the road. I've probably mentioned that before, and. My mind keeps jumping all over the place when I'm thinking about where I want to go. Someone asked me the other day, and what came out of my mouth was Cuba, which is like, okay, I've definitely thought about that before. I think Cuba would be incredible to visit. It it sounds amazing in terms of like the food and the architecture and just the history and the totally different um, social and political situation and all of that. It looks fascinating and really interesting. But when my mind immediately, or I guess my mouth, immediately responded with that answer, I was like, where did that come from? Given that I've been more interested in Europe lately, I've been really fantasizing about uh, going back to Austria or Iceland and Ireland and so that's actually what we're going to talk about today is Ireland we did one of these episodes a long time back all about Singapore where we dived into um, everything that you should know before you go to Singapore and so that's what we're going to do with Ireland today I've been to Ireland on two separate occasions the first was after my study abroad in college in 2012. 2012, I studied abroad in Austria. And after I finished my time there, I did like a three-week UK and Ireland tour. So that was just like baby little traveler Marjorie who had no idea what she was doing. But it was still a lot of fun. I think I was in Ireland for a week, uh, mainly Dublin and Galway. And then I went back in 2016 because I just wanted to stay there for a longer amount of time, an extended period of time, I was really trying to get into the travel writing at that point, so I decided to enroll in some music classes there and just give myself some time to really enjoy and experience the culture and the music and try to write as much as I could, and I was there for about five months total, it was incredible. I've mentioned this trip on a few separate occasions because this is when I was staying legally? I entered Ireland uh, visa-free, so I had 90 days to stay there, but they were a bit suspicious because I did not have a return flight ticket, and at that point I wasn't I wasn't as aware of passport control and regulations. I sort of thought that like if you met all of the criteria to be allowed to enter this country, they had to let you in. I didn't realize it is up to the agent's discretion whether they want to let you in or not. So I was totally polite in the situation. I mean, I didn't try to argue with the woman or anything, but I was a bit disgruntled that she seemed poised to not let me in. She asked me tons of questions about where I was staying, uh, how much money I had, what I was going to do there, was I employed, all that stuff. And what actually finally sold it, she asked um, whether I was employed, and at that time I was not, but I was able to say that I was a travel writer because I had published some blog posts on Huffington Post at that point. So I said I was a travel writer, and she immediately was like, with what publication? <laughs> so thank God I was not lying. Um, and I told her, uh, Huffington Post, and she looked me up. She Googled me right then and there to fact check me, make sure that I was telling the truth, and luckily I was. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were very suspicious that I was going to overstay my 90 days. And I will say, I did want to stay for more than 90 days. I didn't want to do it illegally. Like my my plan was not to illegally stay. I was hoping that I would find a way while I was there to get a visa for longer term. And of course, that's what everyone does, right? No one is planning on staying illegally. But anyway, so close to when those 90 days were up, I did a visa run to Copenhagen and Sweden, and then I went back into Ireland, and that almost went better because the guy barely looked at my passport, but then he did. At the last minute, he saw that I had just done a 90-day visa-free entry into Ireland, and was like, why, why are you coming back a few days later? Um, but at that point, luckily I'd gone through this one time already. So I had purchased like the cheapest Ryanair flight within 90 days out of Ireland. So I could be like, Hey, look, I'm definitely leaving. I still, I have a ticket out. I just need to wrap up some things, some stories that I was working on while I was here. So he did, he didn't even give me the full 90 days. He gave me just until the flight that I had purchased. So, That is one of my only stories of really trying to uh, not, well, yes, cheat cheat the system, I should be honest with myself. Stretch the boundaries of the system, I would like to say. But passport control in Ireland and also the UK are notoriously strict because so many people do try to go in and overstay visas, so they are going to grill you. You do need to make sure that you have your story straight and your paperwork and your documentation and all of that if you're entering Ireland or the UK. And I know that in previous years, it used to be much easier to do visa runs because I met people there who were like, oh yeah, just leave the country and come back in with a new stamp in your passport Uh, because they had done it (laughs) numerous times over the past 10 or 15 years, but it's not as easy as it used to be. So do everything legally, get your visas, don't stay for more than 90 days. That is my story. Anyway, Ireland. Where is Ireland? What is Ireland? It's actually not 100% a straightforward answer. Ireland as a country is an island uh, in Europe off the coast of Great Britain. But if you refer to Ireland, you might actually be talking about two different things. You could be talking about the country of Ireland, or you could be talking about the island of Ireland, which also includes Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK, not part of Ireland. So if you go to the very tip of the island of Ireland, you will actually be in the UK because the full name of the UK is the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. (laughs) You know I love a technical situation. Ireland is really great for all travelers, I think. It's a really... Interesting country with a rich culture and history and gorgeous scenery. It's also very easy to travel around. It's very navigable. Um, So it's great for, you know, first time travelers, solo travelers. Uh, right out of college travelers, anyone who might be doing this for the first time. It's a fantastic place to go, but again, because it's such a rich culture and incredible place, it's fantastic for everyone to go, and I really, really encourage anyone who has not been to Ireland to go. It's also generally considered a very safe country. I mean, again, as I always say, like, things can happen anywhere. There's always flukes anywhere, but generally that's one of the reasons why it's also great for like first time or younger or solo travelers is because it's pretty safe as well because it's a country in western europe it is a little bit on the expensive side But again, I'm a broken record, as I always say, you can make your travel as expensive as you want it to be. So like travel can really fit any budget. If you are planning ahead, if you are choosing your accommodations carefully, traveling at specific times of the year, not eating out for every single meal, not eating at like the tourist trap restaurants, uh, using local transportation instead of taking taxis or things like that, it can definitely be a more reasonable trip. Although, the thing about public transportation to note is that around the country, most of the travel is done by buses. There are a couple trains, but I remember buses being the more common way to get around, and they actually don't go everywhere. So some of the places where people like to visit are not accessible by the bus routes around the country. So for example, the Dingle Peninsula and the Ring of Kerry, really popular places to drive around. Some people might say overly popular places to drive around, as I found when I was researching this. Some travel pros will tell you to avoid those because they are so highly trafficked. But if you do want to go, you will need to rent a car or have access to your own car because it's really hard to get to those locations by bus or by train. While I was there my second time, I did do a couple of group tours, which I usually avoid just because I like to have the flexibility to see what I want to see and do things on my schedule and not be tied to like a big tour bus and that kind of situation. But while I was in Ireland, I didn't have a car, so I was bound by bus routes. Um, And so there were a couple places that were harder to get to, and there was a tour going to see several sites in that area. And so, you know, I went for it. And it was great. I had a lovely experience on my group tours in Ireland. It's definitely not the same as traveling by yourself or with a friend because you are, you know, shuttled along in the group and in the bus and you do feel a little bit like a group of school children, but it does seem like a good option. Like, definitely go for it. You know, I try not to be a travel snob and avoid things across the board just because they're not usually my jam. The tour that I went on went to the Boyne Valley, which includes the Hill of Tara, which is the original high seat, or the original seat of the high kings of Ireland where they were crowned. There's this big kind of awkward looking stone. You can imagine the shape of this large prominent stone, Uh, but it's supposed to scream if the true king of Ireland touches it. So of course I touched it and unfortunately nothing happened, so I am not ruling Ireland. But that was really cool to see and we just went to lots of castles, some in great shape, some in ruins, monasteries, um, cemeteries, just all these really cool places that would have been a lot harder to access by myself. So that was a fantastic tour. So maybe I should have said this at the beginning, but I love Ireland. I'm obsessed with it. I want to go back. It is true that there is something to the stereotype that Many Americans feel drawn to Ireland, and I don't know exactly why that is. I mean, certainly there's a large degree of connection, association, ancestry between Americans and that country. But the way that a lot of us feel pulled there, I think, is a little bit unusual, a little bit strange, maybe. So if you are planning a trip to Ireland, where to go? I'm going to go over a couple of the major cities and locations that you can visit and what to do there. Of course there is Dublin. Now some people will tell you not to spend too much time there, not to spend any time there. When I was traveling around and went to some of the smaller towns and villages around the country, people found out that I was living in in Dublin. <laughs> I would just get such... Disappointed reactions, you know, they're, oh, D-Dublin's, Dublin's, Dublin's not good. Oh, you poor thing. What you doing there? Oh, it's my, it's my atrocious Irish accent. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, people were, Irish people were just like, oh, what are you doing in Dublin? Um, that's not where the good stuff is. But it is the capital city, it's the biggest city. So it's where a lot of stuff is to see and do and experience. Um, Of course, the main thing, one of the main things that you'll see on any tourist list of recommendations is the Guinness Storehouse. Now, I will say it is probably the most touristy thing you will ever experience in your entire life. However, I did enjoy it. Um, There is just a wealth of information about the history of Guinness and brewing beer in general. You do get a tutorial on how to pull the perfect pint of Guinness, which is a lot of fun to know how to do. So it is touristy. It is a bit expensive. I had a blast and, you know, I feel like I'm losing some traveler cred by recommending it, but I would recommend it if you enjoy beer or if you're interested in Guinness. Um, I also did the tour of the Jameson Distillery, which I actually think was better in terms of tours and information. I had a lot of fun there as well. But as someone who is more into beer than whiskey, um, it wasn't quite as applicable to me. But then I also learned a lot more because I knew nothing about distilling whiskey. So Jameson Distillery is also a fantastic thing to do. There is always the library at Trinity College. The Trinity Library is also one of those things you will see on all of the lists because it has that gorgeous long room that you'll see all the Instagram pictures of. The Trinity Library also has the Book of Kells, which was on display when I was there. I'm not sure if it's always on display, but it does live there. And it is an illuminated manuscript, illuminated in this case meaning Um, It has pictures, (laughs) which is a vast understatement. It has these gorgeous um, illustrations, but it's an illuminated manuscript of a gospel book in Latin. So it has the four gospels of the New Testament with a few other texts as well. So it's a really important medieval manuscript just because of the condition that it's in and the illustrations and the detail and all of that. It was very very cool to see and of course there was a whole exhibit around it as well so that is something that you could do another thing that i really liked about being in dublin was All of the museums. There were so many museums. I mean, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would say looking back, I feel like there are more museums in Dublin than in most other big cities that I was in. There's the Leprechaun Museum, which is a lot of fun with the history and mythology surrounding leprechauns. And there's also a room where everything is really big. So you get to pretend that you're a leprechaun and you're very small. That's a blast. There's Dublinia, which is the medieval history of Dublin. But really, really interactive. So it's great for kids. The Little Museum of Dublin is very well known as well. I particularly liked that one. So there's just so many museums to see. That was one thing I did all the time since I you know, didn't have a regular job when I was there. Um, if I needed to shake up my routine a little bit and see something different, I often went out to museums. Of course, there's also the touristy area. Temple Bar is what it is called, the area that surrounds all of the pubs that are, you know, famous but touristy. Um, That area where people like to hang out, it gets a little crazy, gets a little rowdy. It is a lot of fun. I had a blast when I first arrived going out with some of the girls who were staying in the hostel with me. We went out to Temple Bar, had a lot of fun. I mean, it is, it's not an authentic experience. Everything is very cultivated to give you that, like, Irishy feel. All of the pubs are playing music, have musicians there in the evening. But at the same time, it's like, even music being played in these touristy places in Temple Bar is still world-class music. So, like, yes, you can find more authentic experiences, and you absolutely should. But at the same time, you're still going to have a good time. Uh, But those are definitely the places that I mentioned in the beginning that are going to be crazy expensive. So it does have a very focused tourist spot in the middle of Dublin called Temple Bar. Off the top of my head, the two places that I frequented the most often when I was living in Dublin were Walsh's Pub. Walsh's is a pub in Stony Batter, and they had live music uh, probably many times a week, but there was one particular session, I think it was on Wednesday nights, that had a duo called Ye Vagabonds, you should look them up, two brothers, just amazing musicians who would come on Wednesdays, I think it was Wednesdays, and play Tons of songs. People would join in. Um, You know, audience members who were musicians would come play a song. Even the bartender came out one night and picked up a guitar, which was fantastic. So those were so much fun. I tried to never miss one of those sessions. And also the Cobblestone. The Cobblestone is one of the most iconic Dublin pubs. It's very old, and it was actually slated to be, I don't know if it was destroyed or just like taken over. Um, There were lots of protests and petitions going around recently to save the cobblestone, and luckily those succeeded. So I I think it's going to continue to exist, at least for a while, which is fantastic. It's an incredible pub. There's live music seven nights a week, at least in non-COVID times. Again, all of this you would have to look into, because I'm sure things are changing all the time. But live music, history, just Really incredible atmosphere, and the dance classes that I took when I was there actually happened in the back room of the cobblestone. So it was so much fun to go there for my dance classes every week, and that is one that I would recommend as well, sort of out of the city center a little bit. Okay, I'm getting so distracted. This is going to be a long one because I can't stop gushing. Another one of the major cities in Ireland is Cork. I did visit for a few days, I really liked it. It's also very close to a a city not not a city maybe a town called Cove which is spelled CoBh because Irish is very different <laughs> um, Cove is about a 20-minute train ride from Cork and it was the last stop that the Titanic made before crossing or attempting to cross the Atlantic so Cove is known for having a lot of Titanic history there there is a Big museum, a uh, big experience called the Titanic Experience, which I went to. And there's a big cathedral there, and it's a, just a very cute coastal town. So Cove was fantastic. Um, back in the Titanic days, it was actually called Queenstown, so you might see some references to that as well. But nowadays, it is Cove. And also near Cork is Blarney. You might recognize the Blarney Stone. Yes, I did kiss the Blarney Stone. That is another one of those things that is so stereotypical, so touristy. And I have to give a shout out to this blog, WayfaringViews.com, who said, do you really want to hang out of a four-story window to kiss some slutty castle wall? (laughs) Which, when put like that, I feel a little embarrassed, but I don't know. It's one of those things that I just couldn't pass up. And also the whole area of Blarney, the castle, um, the ruins, the history there were great. It's also near the Blarney Woolen Mills, which was a random fun place to visit. I bought a wool hat, so that's great. I still wear it. Um, And Cork just had a really cool vibe to it as a city. I mean, I don't think I did much in terms of museums or, you know, specific tourist destinations or anything outside of visiting uh, Blarney and, and Cove outside of the city. But within Cork, I think I just really enjoyed the vibe. I stayed at a great hostel there. I met some really cool people. It's a university town. So it just, you know, it's a cool town. It's a cool place to go. Also Galway. Galway is another big destination for people visiting Ireland. Galway is also known to be a bit of a party town. There's lots of, again, non-COVID times, (laughs) lots of festivals, lots of music, lots of events. So it's another really cool place to go. It's also, I believe, I mean, all of Ireland is like home for traditional music, but I think Galway especially has a lot of that musical connection. It's also very close to the Cliffs of Moher. If you see those big dramatic cliffs in Ireland, those are the Cliffs of Moher, so you can visit those from Galway. I did visit those, but I saw them from a boat. (laughs) I took a boat ride. I figured, like, why do I want to stand on top of the cliffs? I want to be able to see the cliffs. So I took a boat tour of that. But most people actually do go and visit the top of the cliffs and stand on them from Galway. Um, I know, again, like everything, they can be a bit of a tourist destination, a bit crazy, but they are really, really incredible Galway is on the west coast of Ireland, there's also tons of other little towns and villages there that are really fun to visit. I ended up in Doolin, just kind of accidentally because I was trying to get to Galway, and I didn't realize that there was hmm, a festival, like I said, Galway's home to lots of festivals, and I couldn't find any accommodation for the day that I needed to get there. So I kind of panicked, and this is why I always say plan ahead when you're traveling. But in this case, it worked out well, and I just went to Doolin for one night before continuing on to Galway. Uh, Doolin was just, just this adorable little hamlet, um, I just had so much fun there. I went to a pub, there was music, of course. Um, just sort of, just a real typical slash stereotypical small town Irish experience. Also on the west coast of Ireland, you have the Aran Islands. The Aran Islands are three islands, Inishmore, Man, and Inish Year. I hope I said those right. Like most things that are written in Irish, they are not spelled the way that they are pronounced, at least for English speakers. And that's appropriate because the Aran Islands are part of the Talked. The Gale are parts of Ireland where Irish, the native language of the area, is still the predominant language, the first language of people born there, raised there. So you will see some Irish everywhere throughout Ireland. You might see signs, you might see, you know, pub names or something might be written in Ireland. But in the Gale Talked, you will hear Irish spoken frequently. Uh, Like I said, most people who are raised there, that is their first language, and then they learn English. And again, I'm speaking as someone who is not Irish, so if if you are Irish and had a different experience, please let me know. But this is what I learned. This is what I understand about these regions. And so if you visit places in the Gaeltacht, and they're all over Ireland, they're not just one specific place, all of the signs, all of the street signs are first in Irish and second in English, and you will hear it spoken around you, which is really, really cool. So the Aran Islands are part of this region where Irish is the predominant language, and they're really small islands. So you take a ferry out to them. Um, I stayed on the biggest one, Inishmore, and there were maybe like a few hostels, a few B Bs, a couple of pubs in this tiny little fishing village, and then the whole island is. is is bikeable. (laughs) Um, One really common thing to do that I did is rent a bike for the day. I was able to bike around the whole thing. Took me a few hours. It's just, you have this incredible scenery because you're right on the ocean and there's seals and there's goats and cows and all the farm animals. Um, There's dairies and farms that you can visit. There's also ruins. There's ruins everywhere. And I don't think most of us think of ireland when we think like ancient history but there's such history there that's incredible and so getting to bike you know you're not driving so everything is like slow you can stop whenever you want you have to stop sometimes because like horses and carts will come along the road you also have to remember to bike on the left if you were like me and that is not your first instinct so that was really really cool You can also travel up north. I think these places are lesser visited, but I highly recommend it. I did a lot of traveling throughout Ireland because of my uh, suspicious visa situation. I didn't want to leave the country to travel anywhere else in Europe because I wasn't sure I'd be able to get back in. So I just did all of my traveling for five months within Ireland itself. So I did see a whole bunch and I loved going to the north. I went to the most northerly point in Ireland, which is Malin Head. It's also a Star Wars filming location, which was super fun. It's a really, really small town. There's one hostel. Uh, it's run by this older husband and wife, and they gave me like cookies and tea when I arrived. It was fantastic. Also, of course, in Northern Ireland, there is Northern Ireland, <laughs> the part of Ireland that is actually the UK. So, of course, Belfast is the big city there. And Northern Ireland and Ireland itself have a fairly recent, tempestuous, violent history, so I actually had to do some research before I went to Northern Ireland just to double-check that it was still safe. I mean, not getting into it at all, but you've probably heard of the IRA and bombings and things like that happening in Northern Ireland... It is totally safe now for you know tourists and all of that but you do see remnants of that history and that mentality throughout the city of Belfast. Um, it's a huge mural city which I did not know going there. so there's murals absolutely everywhere just these enormous gorgeous depictions and a lot of them are political so a lot of them are remembering this violent time in their recent history. But Belfast is also where the Titanic was built, so there's also a lot of Titanic imagery and memorabilia and things like that in that city. There is the Titanic Belfast, which is the big, I don't even want to say museum, but just like big thing dedicated to the Titanic there. There's exhibits, there's movies, there's even a ride that you can go on that like takes you through the building of the Titanic. So that is a huge part of that city's like personality as well as the titanic um, also, outside of the city, if you go all the way north to the very tip of Northern Ireland, you have the Giant's Causeway, which is the really cool stone formation that you may have seen in pictures where it's these like cylinders of stone all pressed together and it's totally natural. So that's a really cool thing to see. I actually walked along the coast of Northern Ireland from my hostel in the small town of Ballantoy to the Giant's Causeway. The woman at the hostel said it would be no problem to walk it and that I I was actually just going to take the bus and she 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 was like, no, you really need to walk. So I did, and it started raining, and it took far longer than it was supposed to. And I ended up hitchhiking with a girl from the hostel to the causeway itself. So that was not the most successful walk, but it was fun. I'm glad we did part of it at least. There's also a famous rope bridge up there that's very high and very scary to go on. I did that. And there are tons of Game of Thrones filming locations. So if you are a Game of Thrones aficionado, you definitely need to go to Northern Ireland. There's lots of places that you will recognize. All right. Oh my goodness, there's so much to say about Ireland. So what to do in general outside of these specific cities? Music. Go to all the trad sessions. It took me an embarrassingly long time to realize that trad is short for traditional. (laughs) You'll see signs advertising trad music nightly or when they have their sessions. If you are at all interested in Irish music or enjoy it to any degree, definitely go to any music session you can. Many of them are, you know, scheduled and planned and these, these musicians or groups perform regularly, but sometimes you can just find a totally organic session where you'll be in a pub and someone will whip out a fiddle or something and other people will join in and then maybe there's a dancer in the crowd and these things can just totally spring up um, purely naturally, which is so much fun. It's the best kind of session you know, like I said, the history, the castles, the museums, the ruins, anything like that all across the country is fantastic to see. I didn't even talk about Waterford. Waterford's another city. If you're into Waterford Crystal at all, the factory there is a really cool tour. Um, I'm not particularly into Waterford Crystal, but I did do the tour and it was really cool to learn about how they do all of that and it was really cool to learn about how those iconic pieces are made. You do get to hold some of them, and it's really, really nerve-wracking <laughs> trying not to drop them. All right, the food, Irish food. Now, to me, Irish food is not something that is, it's not one of those cuisines that people are like, oh my gosh, Irish food, but Irish food is actually really good. I have a friend who is a chef, and he actually said that Ireland was one of his favorite food scenes of any country that he would traveled to, so... Ireland has good food. Um, The Irish breakfast is my absolute favorite. It's very similar to the English breakfast. You can get different varieties of it, but you know, uh, bacon, eggs, ham, beans, tomatoes, bread, all that fantastic stuff. And I became obsessed with brown bread while I was there. You'll also see like soda bread or potato bread. Ireland really loves bread. You're going to get like a lot of hearty food. For example, Irish stew. Uh, made with like lamb or beef or mutton, potatoes, all the root vegetables, things like that. Boxty. I've actually, I didn't actually have boxty. It sounds a bit like latkes. (laughs) Um, Irish potato pancakes that are served at breakfast and can have a ton of different toppings or seasonings from sweet and savory. Colcannon, I hope I'm saying that right, is another traditional Irish food. Again, potatoes. (laughs) Um, Mashed potatoes in this case. Also things like, I mean, you know, corned beef, but like bacon and cabbage, other varieties or other variations on that sort of thing. Scones, because tea is a huge thing in Ireland, just like in the UK, you're also going to get a lot of scones. And pudding, black pudding or white pudding. Now, I am embarrassed to admit I didn't actually try this. Black pudding is blood pudding, but it's sort of like congealed into a sausage, From my understanding, although it's usually sliced, so you get like a disc of it. There's also white pudding, which is the same thing, but it's made without the blood. Um, That is also a traditional part of breakfast in Ireland. And then, of course, fish and chips. Um, I did have fish and chips there, they were fantastic. My friend who was saying that Ireland had some of the best food said that the fish and chips he had there were phenomenal. So that is something you will see a lot of. Also, coddle, Dublin coddle is a dish made of leftovers, so it could be almost anything. But you're typically going to get like sausage, onions, spices, potatoes, anything else that you have on hand. Soups, again, we talked about soups. <laughs> we talked about stews, so soups are another major food in Ireland, of course, with bread. And then in terms of what to drink, we already touched on this a little bit, Guinness. Now, it is very stereotypical, but it's also 100% true. Any pub that I went into, no matter how big or small the city or the town in Ireland, 90% of the people at the bar were drinking Guinness. You know, all the locals, all the old men. (laughs) Um, Guinness just is the drink of choice, it seems like. But if you want to branch out a little bit and you're still into beer, there's also a ton of like local craft breweries. Um, In Dublin, I walked past JW Sweetman all the time. They have all of their own beers. So do the Guinness thing, try the Guinness, drink the Guinness, enjoy it. But if you do want to branch out, there's also a lot of other beer options as well. One thing that I thought was fascinating is that it's totally okay and totally accepted to order tea at a pub. I had some friends who would do that if we went out for music and they didn't feel like drinking, which is 100% fine. Instead of going for like water or soda, they would order tea and the bartender did not even bat an eye, would give them a full pot of tea and it was fantastic. So that is completely accepted as well. And of course, tea is super common there in general, so you'll see it everywhere. Alright, this is a long one because I can't stop obsessing, but before we get to the very end, I just wanted to go through some quick uh, what to know if you are planning a trip to Ireland. Number one pack for all four seasons and maybe a monsoon and maybe a blizzard. (laughs) Ireland is notoriously rainy and foggy, but at the same time, the weather can change at the drop of a hat. So you just want to be prepared for everything. Also, fun fact, in Ireland, they measure their sunlight in hours per year, not in days per year. They typically have between 1,100 and 1,600 hours of sunlight per year. Number two. If you plan to go to Northern Ireland, you will need both euros and pounds. So Ireland uses the euro, but because Northern Ireland is the UK, they use the pound. So you're going to have to do some money transfer if you go up north. Be prepared for some Irish slang. Now, in the episode description for this episode, I'm going to link some of my blog posts from back when I was living in Ireland and I did a couple on Irish slang. Here's just some of my favorites. Crack. You'll see this everywhere because it sounds so funny. Now it's on all the t shirts and keychains and everything. Crack means fun or even like what's up or what happened. Um, So if someone says like it was good crack, it means it's good fun. (laughs) But if they say like, oh, how was the crack? It's like, well, like what happened? um, What happened last night? How was the fun last night? That sort of thing. It'll be grand. I love this one. As an American, I always think of the word grand meaning like phenomenal, like truly amazing. But there it's sort of used as just like, oh, fine. Oh, it'll be grand means like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll work out. No big deal. Um, But I always just felt like everything was like, oh, so grand. It'll be grand. It'll be wonderful. (laughs) Another one that I had never heard before I lived there was referring to people as your man. So This was usually like a stranger, someone you didn't necessarily have a connection with would be called your man. When I was living with Irish roommates, I remember one day we had to call the plumber and I was the only one home, so I had to like let him in. Um, And then later when my roommates came back, they asked like, oh, how'd it go with your man today? And I was like, well, he's not my man. What are you talking about? Uh, But it was just a way to say like, oh, that guy, your man. Another one that I got from my roommates, How's Tricks. To be like, what's up or again or what happened? House tricks. I liked that. And finally, also from my roommates, savage. Describing things as savage was just tickled me no end. I loved it. Savage is good. Something that is savage is fantastic. Um, but those are just a few to get you going. You'll definitely you know, pick up lots of things when you're there. It's wonderful. It's colorful. I love it. Next tip. We touched on this in the beginning. If you want to see the countryside of Ireland, rent a car. Um, If you're just traveling between major cities, the buses are great, and they do go through some of the scenery, but if you want to be able to stop and see whatever you want, you will need to rent a car. And on that note, they drive on the left in Ireland, so be prepared for that. And even if you're not driving, you need to look to the right before you cross the road. I mean, you need to look both ways before you cross the road, but especially look to the right. That was something I had to adjust to. Number six, we talked about this, English is not the only language. So of course they are primarily an English-speaking country, you'll have no problems getting around, but you will see some of that traditional Irish in places, especially in the Gaeltacht. If you are taking a bus, you need to flag the bus down or it won't stop for you, that's very important. Tipping exists, but it's not a huge tipping culture like the United States, so like 10% is fine. I think typically you don't tip your bartenders. It's just not as big a deal as it is in the States, but it does exist. You should add on a little bit to your bills. If you are planning a trip, the main tourist season is spring through fall, which makes sense because winters are a little dreary and cold and potentially depressing in Ireland. But that means that there's also going to be more people there and prices are going to be more expensive in any time except winter, basically spring through fall. So that's something that you would have to sort out for your own preferences. And last, like I said at the beginning, Ireland is great for solo travel. It's easy, it's relatively safe, their culture lets you make make friends very easily, it's super easy to meet people in pubs, on tours, you know, wherever you are, hostels, like everyone, again, I'm painting with a very broad brush here, Irish people are like everyone in terms of their variety and diversity, but Generally, it's a very like welcoming and open and friendly culture. So if you are traveling by yourself and you do want to strike up a conversation or you do want to make friends, that should be very easy for you in Ireland. So I could go on and on. I cannot say enough good things about this country, but I will force myself to stop for the, the sake of this uh, episode download file size. But if you have any questions about traveling to Ireland, please let me know. I would love to answer them. Like I said, I spent three weeks there, no, one week there one time, and then I spent five months there another time, so I have a bit of an insight. I'd be happy to talk about anything else related to Ireland, and I would love to go back soon. (laughs) You can send any of those questions or your own Ireland travel stories to goingoutyourdoortravel at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at goingoutyourdoor, and on Twitter at goingoutyour... And I would love to hear what location we should highlight next. Is there a specific city or country that you would like to hear more about? Let me know. I will talk to you next time on Going Out Your Door.